Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Coffee Podcast. This is episode 45. My name is Vic Bonacci, and you can reach out to me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. For today's episode, I visited one division of EMC Corporation here in Irvine. They're going through an Agile transformation. They've been at it for about six months. And their coach is Scott Dunn. He invited me in to do a lean coffee, which is fantastic because we get to hear voices from people as they're going through a transformation with the types of questions and the problems and the challenges and the opportunities that are coming up uh, in this early stage of the transformation. So we get to talk about a lot of that. So it's, it's interesting. This is something that I don't normally do is visit a company and not only run a lean coffee with them, but actually record it for the podcast. So I'm very grateful that they opened their doors to me and asked that this be shared on the podcast. Hey, after you listen to this episode, you might want to hop over to the Scrum Master Toolbox podcast. This is something that uh, that Vasco Duarte does uh, through Oikosofi, and uh, it's five days a week that he pushes out a podcast interviewing one person who's uh, who's got experience with Scrum. This week is is my own interview. So Vasco was gracious and had me on for five days. If you tune in, uh, you'll hear from Monday through Friday, uh, about 10 or 15 minutes of my answers to some really good questions that he put forth. So it was a great chance to talk to someone else kind of on the other side of the microphone for a change. But give that a listen. It's the Scrum Master Toolbox podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you find good podcasts. So thanks, Vasco. And if you still can't get enough of me and you're going to be in Florida, I'll be there for the next few days uh, taking Sharon Bowman's training from the back of the room class. And then the following week, I will be at the Scrum Gathering in Orlando. Um, In fact, I will be presenting there on Tuesday evening. It's the second of the two long days. Uh, Scott Dunn and I are going to be presenting the pair coaching domino game. It's something that I've done twice regionally, and now I'm taking it to a bit of a bigger stage. So if you're there, uh, I encourage you to at least stop by and say hi. And if you can make it to the session, I'd be flattered. It would be great to get feedback and especially run into a listener or two and um, have a conversation. So I'm looking forward to seeing everyone there and having a great time. And then I'll be back in April to uh, put some fresh content out hopefully with uh, people from Sharon Bowman's class as well as attendees of the gathering. Let's get to the show. Welcome again to another Agile Coffee podcast. My name is Vic Bonacci, and I am at EMC today uh, in the Data Protection Unit here in Irvine, California, uh, they they're kind enough to invite me in and allow us to do a podcast here today. So so I want to thank you guys for that. Um, around the table here we have Twee, uh, Prithvi, David, and Gabby. So thank you all. Also Scott Dunn is sitting next to me. Uh, hi Scott. Hey Vic, how you doing? So Scott can be reached on Twitter using the um, the handle Scott Dunn Rocket Nine. I'm going to spell that out, but it's in the show notes as well. It's S D U N N. R-O-C-K-E-T-9, the number nine. So, Scott, what's your role here at, at EMC? Well, EMC's uh, data protection group asked me to come and help with their agile transformation that they kicked off last year. Uh, I've been here about going on nine months. 
the main uh, thrust of the effort is a, at that time a 16-team, uh, five geographic location uh, group trying to build a new greenfield product uh, in a very uh, competitive and uh, profitable billion-dollar industry, data mm-hmm. protection, I had no idea, uh, and work with them as well as help out the other groups as the other ones step up and say we're, we're ready to go Agile too and take that on. So there's other, probably five other product lines that are now stepped up that are also doing the transformation. So um, we're watching them mature through the process from the basics and then scaling it and now working with leadership a lot and what that mm-hmm. role looks like. Been very exciting and learned a lot along the way too. So how far along the process are you? When did you start? When were the? When did the transformation? I guess. Uh kickoff and how did that look uh, so yeah that's, that's an interesting story there because they kicked off um, and had conversations with me uh, for various reasons I didn't actually get engaged for probably four months into it so when I came in in August uh, they had already decided to kind of run with the safe model and I'd, we'd been having conversations uh, throughout and that's what I was my suggestion I thought it was a uh, a high level structure that gave them the glue parts to at least get going. So they had shifted into working in three month uh, iterations or, or release plans with these teams. Um, and from there, we moved pretty quickly into how to, how to tighten that a bit more, get more people involved, have these people at these different geographic locations talking more, kicking off the, uh, the Scrum of Scrums. Um, uh, early beginning of this year, kicking off the uh, the leadership uh, training, which has become really the heartbeat of the transformations, they prioritize uh, what they think needs to get worked on, and we as a group, you know, begin working on those. And now we're just going to kick off uh, chapters like what Spotify has, where the dev group, the QA group, will take their t- all the team members across these product lines and have them self-organize and prioritize what they want to work on and have conversations. So it's a nice mix. Um, And all other work that's not outside the main PMO group, which the PMO transitioned to becoming the Agile Center of Excellence, where their mission now is to equip all the people with the training and learning that they need, uh, activities going on, Agile days, et cetera. Uh, Hopefully sweep everything under that umbrella to say if there's work being done, we can visualize it. We can see it, whether that's a formal product, uh, you know, a program or pro- a project, or it's just, you know, maintenance requests, hotfix that come in. Can we sweep all those in there uh, to the work? That's kind of the end goal, I think, that, that I'm envisioning and seeing now. And really, the other people that are going to take this over and run it themselves as we're doing that now. Yeah, so that's a, a good question. I was going to ask, um, it's not just you. Obviously, it takes a team of right. people to put this together, but but you are the coach here kind of with the feet on the ground. Yeah. Um, who else are you bringing in? You've probably got some people doing some training, I think you were talking about. Right. Earlier. So there's a, there's a multi-pronged approach where I'm mm-hmm. trying to do that. So uh, number one, um, it's, it's fortunate as a, a CST I can um, let them kind of come into the, the public classes. So mm-hmm. we're having them come into the, the certified scrum master and certified product owner classes. Okay. If someone might step into that role, we go ahead and train them on that. Um, but I don't do the technical classes. So uh, we're talking with a, uh, a technical coach about doing the equivalent of the certified scrum developer classes internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day per sprint, get those three days of technical training in. Uh, as well as, as I mentioned um, um, earlier, John Jorgensen uh, does the safe classes as, uh, as I do too, but have him, have some of these folks go in and get you know f- the full training on how do you do the scaled agile framework, as well as very fortunate that Craig Larman is going to run the large-scale Scrum class uh, in May, and we're really pushing to get people in there. So they learn also the principles of scaling, not just a pattern for scaling and the glue parts for scaling, but really how do you scale uh you know, using peers, self-organized. So there's actually a mix of several people, really, that are influencing the training. When we do the Agile days at each site, um, there's someone that essentially plays host to that and facilitate, and they bring in speakers from outside. So uh, we're very fortunate um, 
in, say, Toronto's Agile Day, Ram Srinivasan came and did a talk. Uh, an old friend, uh, Mohammed Chakrun, came and did a marvelous talk on quality and everything and on people. Uh, and then they heard from me. But at each of these sites in Louisville, they get to hear uh, from Drew Gemelo from Scale Agile Framework, uh, as well as me. Um, so it's been a, a real pleasant mix. Woody came here, did a session on mobbing. That was that really infused a lot of new ideas that they're trying out. So that's that's why I think it's a community effort. It takes a village on some of this, where I try to actually show lots of people can contribute. Um, them getting to meet you, right? So there's lots of people in the community, and I really want them to get. Uh, connected and seed and realize there's lots of people and lots of ways to learn. That's yeah, that's a really that's a really important um, point you bring up is is knowing that they can um, they can tap into the community, mm-hmm. even their local community. They don't have to travel to uh, out too far outside of their their area. Like here in Irvine, like you said, Woody is, is relatively local to us here. He's down in San Diego. Um, you know, John's in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here. We've got a lot of meetups and a lot of other things that we've got going on. In Toronto, you just mentioned a few people. Local people, yeah. I wanted Toronto. to ask, um, you said Craig is, is doing a course in May. Uh, on Is that a public course? Yeah, it's a public course. Do you want to just, uh, is there a way that we can reach out for any listeners who might be interested? Yeah, in no, happy to, to plug that because we already had a, a number of people signing up. So, yeah, Craig Lorman, uh, we reached out to him because I've only heard this is uh, I'll talk to you just if, if you and I were just sitting in the car driving somewhere mm-hmm. I've only heard amazing things about the large scale scrum class and as I work with some of the folks doing the leadership certification that's coming out from the scrum alliance um, some of the folks that are shaping that were saying you've got to go to this class Scott it's a mind-blowing three days there's more than even three days can hold so I just said let's 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 do it uh, ask Craig to come and do it he was happy to do that um, and that's going to be in May. If you go to rocket9.eventbrite.com, that's probably the simplest way. Uh, Rocket9, uh, all spelled out, dot .eventbrite. All the classes are on Eventbrite, but you'll see the less class, easiest way to go in there. Uh, three days of the pure principles. The thing I like about when I hear those guys, uh, Boz and Craig, who put it together, talk about Now, they've written a you know they're on their third book on this stuff, but they're not necessarily marketers or promoters. They've been doing this for ten years, and they've done some tough uh, hardware software environments like Nokia, Siemens. So they, they're in the trenches doing it. They just never went out and tried to actually say, "Hey, let's make money and sell this." This is like what they've been doing. But because of the popularity of Safe, I think there's an idea like, "Look, there's other options out there. Maybe we should yeah. try to promote that a little bit more." And so they're really trying to put that in front, saying, "Yeah, we have options here." And I think they're they're both valid options. But most people, when they think scaling, they think scaled agile framework, and it's good to know that other things to learn and other approaches that are like the very first thing they say is how about you don't scale how about you descale can you make it smaller right let's find the art of minimizing the stuff that you have to do right something like that is (laughs) i've heard that yeah Yeah. um all right well let's get everyone else involved in the conversation we've got a number of cards on the table in front of us all right so what do we go this way okay there's a manager manager roles in agile Managers. So who wrote this? I wrote that. Okay, so start because, us off, Tweet. All right, so um, in a traditional workplace, you have your manager, you work with manager you to, to develop your career uh, advancement. Now your manager is to know your best with your, your strength and your weakness and how to help you to get there. When you go to the uh, transfer to the archive, uh, it's a team decision kind of cultures where people just like go to different team and work with that. And some some manager I understand they, they just feel they um, lose that kind of control, lose that working closeness to closely to their team member, and that uh, or how they go to have their team member to go to the next level. Um, to me, I think that is 
if you and go to the point where you have a really true archive, it's it's empowerment. I I almost consider a culture there with no managers and no employees, and we can work together as a team. But um, but I hear a lot of that. How 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 can a manager be more effective uh, in one side to promote the um the to work in archives and empower them to do the better job and and um, um, advancement. Um, but at the same time, also, um, how they can keep control of their team. Yeah. yeah why do we need managers for it? <laughs> <laughs> it's really the question. I mean, there's no role of manager in the teams, right? Um, we actually want this situation. Uh, in the traditional way, manager tell the people what to do. Um. We don't want this. We want the teams themselves to tell themselves. Right. And to own it, right? So manager become an HR person. Just if somebody need a vacation, you say okay, <laughs> or uh, or not okay, <laughs> um, or he become a team member and work like anybody else. So then he's not a manager, right? He's a team member. So why we need te- when we need manager? Let me I ask the question: What does a what does a manager do that's not handled by any of those scrum roles? Do you think outside of administrivia? Uh, Administration, right? Um, He has to hire and fire. Mm -hmm. Which administration? The what? One-on-one conversations with like. Yeah, but what what the purpose of one? Purpose of one-on-one? Yeah, yeah. Like what kind of things get covered in the one-on-one? That are just to like um, talk about stuff outside of work because (laughs) employees are people too, (laughs) and employees have like. like things that happen outside of work, people have to talk about stuff that happens in their families, or they might want to like go on a trip or have different like plans or holidays. It's just nice to have someone else at work that you can talk to mm-hmm. about like your goals outside of work. <laughs> but I would even add those one-on-ones can be about your professional mm-hmm. growth. You said yeah. advancement. Like, yeah. how do I get? Like, if you have a career goal, I'm given like, a fun. choice, I wouldn't be a manager in the same agile team as my <laughs> team. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> well, why do you say that? Why, why would it? What are some hardships that you see? I feel that as a manager, they have their own goals, which are more aligned to the organization, and if they're not in sync with the scrum goals then you would like tell your team members like your subordinates to do something but they are bound to do something else in the scrum teams and that clash I mean you cannot blame the manager she's just doing her role but what about the team members and yeah that's kind of not being empowered I think it's one of the, the most difficult questions to handle in a transformation because the teams get it. For the most part, the teams they want to change. They embrace for the most part, they embrace the change. They like mm-hmm. the idea of being autonomous and mm-hmm. self-organizing mm-hmm. and that. And when you talk to the, the people at the top, the executives, they like what they hear and some of them buy into it. And if that if they buy into it, then you really see a lot of change happening. But still, it's that middle layer, that, that management layer where I see the most of pain and uncertainty and fear and doubt mm. kind of all wrapped up. I think that the successful managers who make the transition start to thinking think of themselves as coaches or mentors to the team. Like you're saying, someone to talk to, someone to help them with their advancements. Um, the administrative stuff goes along with that as well, I suppose. But, but really, when you talk about how can 
how can I as a contributor to a team become more uh, more effective? You know, I want to go talk to someone who's been there, who's got that experience, who can, uh, who's got my best interest in mind too. And I think that that's the role of the manager is to. But then, um, why traditionally agile discourages managers to be part of scrum teams? Like, there must be a reason for yeah. that. Course, I think there's a conflict in interest to me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. It, it, you think if you have if you're in the same team and your managers, right? Um, I bet you you're going to have a hard time trying to um, mm-hmm. come up with an idea or do a certain thing. And then if your manager says, hey, look, we are going to beta, and I need you to go and run yeah. that test and write it, this test, but you have only this task. Right. How are you going to design? You know, if you, you don't listen to your manager, then you, you're in trouble on that part. But you don't really scum, then you're Even, even if the manager don't say anything, he just sit in the room. And people yeah, has even, to yeah, consider even oh, what you think about what I'm saying. Yeah. It's already yeah. influenced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The team. it is. It, it changed the whole dynamic of the. Do you the think team. it would change the dynamic of even like the planning meeting of the daily scrum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. You will, you will be afraid maybe to say that you um. did something bad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Um, keep going. You good. I'll add a few more minutes. Yeah. I did one uh, one thing that I, I think um, I learned some from Google thing. I've been reading some of their stuff. They hire and fire as a team, not a manager hiring oh. thing. And, in, and the same thing with the performance uh, review or races. Where is this? In Google. Google? Google. At Google. Yeah. At Google. It's an it's a w- internet search. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a search Google. Google. Yeah. 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 They hire as a team and fire as a team. Hire as a team, I can understand. Fire as a team. Oh, wow. How Whoa. you do this? After oh. every retro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, so. Think about the traditional performance reviews, too, yeah. where you might meet one-on-one with a manager who mm-hmm. gives you feedback once a year or something like mm-hmm. that. Now you're you're talking in this extreme about, you know, hiring, firing as a team. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the team, kind of self... Um, managing self-managing the team. Was it getting, yeah, getting the team to kind of all align around a vision and a goal. Mm-hmm. And if someone's not performing or doing doing their job, then they the team should be the ones that should be responsible for helping them uh, getting them the right training, helping them, mentoring them, pairing with them, whatever it is. And uh, if it's still not working out, then maybe that's when management can kind of help um, guide a process to getting those people to find another team to work on or another role in the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we definitely have had lots of conversations here, and we've, we've started up, uh, some of you might know, of, of leadership, agile leadership training. Or, or meetings, and we meet once a week, and we go over a certain topic. But we also have lots of conversations about these types of things and how to get help. What's that look like? The very first one they wanted to talk about was what's the role of management and agile. And but mainly, they're saying how can we help support self-organizing teams? If they're self-organizing, then they don't need. They don't need. Yeah, what are we supposed to be doing? So part of the recommendations that come up was, uh, are you familiar with their work? Understandably, you said management uh, the, the management gets fear, uncertainty, and doubt around this because now I'm one level removed from the work even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're now taking care of it. They don't come to me for tasks or work assignments. So I'm very, I'm getting disconnected, and that's, that caused some concern. So I'm saying, how can you get closer to them so you hear the nature of it? And if you have multiple, you have people on multiple teams, do you, 
do you hear patterns of problems that are running? Well, maybe it is about continuous integration. Maybe it's about your 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 development skills. Don't we should fine tune those for Scrum, like test driven mm-hmm. development of these things. Like let's pick mm-hmm. those up. So the manager could still lobby for those if they know what's happening on the teams. And my question then was, how do you get closer to the teams to know without doing just what you said? Mm-hmm. You don't want to disturb. Certainly not the retrospective. Hey guys, just act normal. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but but can they come to a stand up and not throw it off? But here, hmm, I keep hearing that. People are waiting for so-and-so. Maybe I need to check with my guy, so-and-so, who's my, who reports to me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel, and you guys can tell me, I don't know if the teams always come right up to management support and help when they, when they need it. They yeah. keep saying so-and-so's been difficult, but, you know, it doesn't get escalated to the manager. It just kind of sits there. I mean, the scrum master doesn't know what to do or doesn't take it to them. That's why I kind of think there might be a place that we can still help without getting in the way. Okay. So what do you feel about the idea of the role of managers in Agile? Let us know by using the hashtag TellAgileCoffee and become part of the conversation. Our next card now says, how to transition. How to transition to Agile releases when the corporation demands feature-locked milestones. Feature-locked milestones. This is from Terry. Oh, another. Yeah. But it's a great question. So, it's a great question. So we had um, here at EMC, we had a number of uh, people fill out cards, but not everyone could stick around for this lean coffee, unfortunately. But here we go. We have a question now that someone introduced. Uh, do you guys want to talk about this topic, or should we move yeah, on? We can. I think it's a great topic. Who wants to start us off? Yeah, what I understand is there's something called um, MVT or minimum uh, viable product. Minimum viable Product. Product. product, MVP, yeah, and this is something that probably going to ans- try to answer this one by um, not having, but by actually educating the upper management that you will not get your list of specific milestone, but you get something a little more f- flexible and fluid, and you will get something minimum, minimum, and. Then we'll try to give you the maximum that we can, mm-hmm. and they have to learn to live with this. So, I think it's um. I think it also has to do with that chart you see in the agile, like scope versus fixed time, where the management focuses on the time and scope. Like, so agile, I think, gives them um, accurate estimation of how much scope of the product can be released at what time. Mm-hmm. So when you say chart, is this a, one of the burn-down charts, no. like a release burn-down, or the no. triangle? Is that, that the one from the video? So we'd watched in the class. So Chris, we came yeah, the there was an x-axis with Yeah, so he's saying what will we have by when, and this is mm-hmm. uh, Anik Nieberg's product owner in a nutshell. All right. right. And he's drawing up saying ideal at our best speed, we, mm-hmm. you'll get these. Right. Worst speed we'll, on our bad yeah, days. Yeah, I think it's right. burned out. Yeah, so and he's kind of turning into so a burned, burned out, out with a range. Yeah. With a range on it, yeah. with the variable uncertainty. And so he's drawing it one or the other. Either you draw the, the time mm-hmm. and say, these, you know, definitely these features, maybe these features, certainly right. not these features. Or you want those features? Yeah, that's case time, time or maybe, yeah, that's yeah. what he's saying. And he leans towards fix the time, and if you need to add more time to get those features, great. But you can't unwind if you try to fix the feature. So I think it's a so number one to your point, Prisby. Can we at least have that conversation of there's a range? Let's be honest; these aren't these estimates aren't actual. They're estimates. We don't mm-hmm. really know, mm-hmm. and things happen, right? We're working on some development. You didn't realize it's that hard. So I'm always a little concerned. The manager thinks those. Actuals, those days are like somehow actuals. Um, yeah. And I do wonder if the conversations happen with them to say, 
what's happened the last few projects? Did we hit that date 18 months out? Uh, we pushed it out, remember? So I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's reminding or educating as them and yeah, saying. Yeah. Especially for products that have significant amounts of new functionality. Like, there's a lot of learning that has to go on for yeah. these development projects. It's not like we're maintaining something that's been around for 10 years. We're actually going, we're actually learning new, like, topics. Yeah. We're learning new, like, uh, basic principles and testing different products that we've never been exposed to. Mm-hmm. This is completely brand new to many of the development members here on the team. Yeah. So if we were just maintaining a website or something that we've done for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. of course we could give you a better estimate. But if you want new functionality, if you want something to actually change to increase the scope, right, of the functionality, that's going to have significant risk. Yeah. No way around that. Uh, one thing that I think doesn't come up as an option that, that we've seen, and I think that we've done a marvelous job on MVP here, where they've trimmed scope as they've landed, and we had conversations with the field to say, what's the real cutoff that the field folks need to know for sure what's in this upcoming product so they can begin having the conversations with potential customers. But it was actually much closer than you think. They said, really, we only need a couple months of lead time to begin really working with that. So going from locking in scope 18 months out, and maybe the technology even changes halfway yeah. to yeah. probably like, well, that throws yeah. for a loop. So uh, one, can we, can we push that out a little bit? But even within that, can we say these are high-level feature requests? But exactly, and, and certainly on the dev and, and test side, you've seen this. Well, you could do it this way, or you could do it that way, or you can kind of get by on this. Well, there's three options, right? Maybe we go for ideal, but we we still we're flexing on scope because we're choosing one of these three different options. But we're still fixing scope because yes, you'll still be able to do this type of transaction. But how exactly it got implemented? Well, we're going to flex on that, yeah. and that buys yeah. us a little. I don't know if the teams always leverage that. There's a couple of ways to get to there, and let's put them on the backlog and then move them in and out as we're trying to land the plane with the release. Yeah. And, and I think also, like, I agree, when you do business, you have to have a certain fixed time, right, because you need to make your business hit the market, market. you have to honor that. So it, and then, of course, you have your shareholders and board. So I, I don't see there's a problem with fixed time. Now, under the agile of how we're going to adopt so that we can meet that time, we, we, what, we, what can we give them? Still meet the time, still meet the thing. Sometimes I, th- I find that we spend a lot of time to desire to death, yeah. and I do like uh, a thing on of everything that can happen and what would happen. I'm doing how Just to me, it's just like okay, the, the end user need this. What are eighty percent of thing that would happen, and we just hit that instead of trying to spend so much time on the twenty percent that mm-hmm. maybe only rarely use. Yeah. So, so I think Agile can like also help us in the way of how we can do that better, scale down our design, and and try to meet the market requirement. Uh, What's your release cadence like here? Do you, do you go by a, a quarterly release cadence or, or anything? Or or this is a new program. Okay. Yeah. So it's the first program that we do full Agile, I okay. believe, right? Yeah. So the. Used to be uh, once a year you do a um, release, mm-hmm. and every six months you do about no, about an, um, an SP. With sure. this, we're back. With this one, um, we don't know. Yeah. We have a first one, I think. Doesn't matter In when. August. Yeah. So and after this, um, I think it will be a question. 
and do they want to continue? The, the first one, you need to have a critical mass, right? So the product can start. And then you can have, actually, maybe every three months to just add features or you uh, or bring something bigger every six months. I, I'm not sure that they decided yet about this one. Yeah. I think no. it's open. With 14 teams here, that's going to be difficult if you wait until August to, to bring everyone together. So my question now is, do you how do you coordinate that with 14 teams? Do you try to get... Well, we're not waiting till August. Right. Yeah. Currently, we already started beta. Beta. Okay. Meaning that we already have the product, uh -huh. and the next six months is just to clean up Building and adding uh, some yeah. critical things, but not major development. Yeah. They're also still doing full integration across all the teams... Regularly, so no, no integration surprises, which is I think a big help, okay. and that enables really early demos, very early mm -hmm. on, to not just the product management folks, but they're immediately taking out customers. to yeah customers, to major stakeholders, and it's getting mm -hmm. a lot of press. And they're even saying that EMC World they're wanting to make this one of the three things that goes on the stage to show it off. But partly, it generated interest for months now because we had working software. We have a very large program very early on, whereas most projects you wouldn't see anything fully demoed until pretty late in the game. They've been seeing this and being able to do road shows with sales folks for many months now. Yeah. Yeah. We're adding incremental features like on top of what we have right now. Like, yeah. We already have the basic set of like features. Like People can use it with the actual like, uh, their dependencies that are expected. But we're continuing to work. We're continuing to add incremental features, just small little features, but that allows people to like use it with different like uh, products and just makes it more useful. Yeah, and I think that we some team already kind of like moving ahead with the next version already. So it's not like we wait until August released yeah. and then everybody start working version no. two. But it's things still moving and kind of new designing, evolving. Yeah, it's still mm. continuous. Yeah, yeah. So Great. it's it's it, it not like <laughs> stand stuff, stand stuff, and not and not like that. And that's a change from the way you've done things in the past. Then for the tradition, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. You go there's, and there's no pausing and then pausing for several months, we're still continuing to add features <laughs> as we go along. I remember the time we do the traditional in IBM, I was like, beginning, they have really busy, they busy, be busy, and then QA kind of like, uh, relax, and at the end, when they release, QA kind of like, hurry up and do everything, and they have tech vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I like, and then everything started again to the next cycle, and, but now we, we did agile, I think, things just continue moving, we don't, we don't stop. So I think that's not a benefit of it. <laughs> Is it, anyone ever worked somewhere where they kind of like said, "Hey, no one really, no one take vacation these next couple." <laughs> I've been in companies before, oh, like yeah, you really I did work at places like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're not taking yeah. any vacation for next month. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. How are we doing? Right. We're doing good. Okay. We're moving to the next one. So this is that my uh, my card. Uh, I think I wrote it because I was confused uh, about the story point and effort. I see some story point with style, okay, a three story point, but then I find that, oh, I spent like 20 hours to work on it, but then you see some other story point, like four story point, and you see the number of hours is like eight, ten. So, to me, I, I thought the story point and the effort kind of like go hand in hand, but it's not always the case, and that was just confused me. I, I guess I did like something predictable. <laughs> so, if you have a Big story point. I mean, this would take a lot more time. Mm -hmm. you know. mm -hmm. So, 
How is it in the hatch? <laughs> Looks like Chick wants to answer that. Well, I, w- I was going to. I was looking at you to see because um, Scott's a CST, so he talks about this in the training classes. I've, I've talked about it a number of times too. When I talk about story points, um, I always kind of step back and say, human beings are not very good at estimating, mm-hmm. right? But we are very good at comparing. So, for example, we're here in Irvine, and if I said, um, you know, how many miles is it to Santa Monica from here? Or how many miles is it to San Francisco from here? Yeah. It's really hard to guess in the number of miles, unless unless you know off the top of your head, right? Um, but if I said, what's farther, Santa Monica or San Francisco? And you can say, oh, Santa Monica can get to in, you know, two hours if there's light traffic, right? Or yeah. San Francisco might be three times as far or something mm. like that. So that's, that's the way I always think of story points, is I don't think that it has to be a specific um, number equating to effort, but rather it's kind of used to compare one PBI or one user story to, to another. Um, am I on the right track? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think partly to your point about the, the difference in hours sometimes, if, if I go and I say, hey, and you guys are almost like uh, you have a creative aspect that's not different from, say, um, cooking. Chefs, you're putting something together. Uh, and I could say, how long will it take to make pasta? And, yeah, I, I, you could say it's points, but you kind of know how many hours it is. But if I say, okay, hey, this person has actually asked for ratatouille, you're like, yeah, that is tomatoes, right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't even necessarily know. And there's some uncertainty into it. And David had mentioned, sometimes it's brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll mm-hmm. size something because I'm worried about it. And I'll say, it's an eight, because I really don't know what's going to happen. It might be nothing. It's just a line of code, but I think it touches other parts of the system. So I'm actually worried. Now, here's the, here's the point. I think it's very valid. Do, do things ever pop out from behind the bushes and surprise us? Yeah. So now we're kind of factoring that in at every small increment of work, and that way eventually when it does pop out, yep, we were figuring that it averages out. But in any one case, you might look and say, why on earth did you say it was an eight? It only took you two hours. Like, well, yeah, nothing went wrong. I was worried, but the integration was fine. Mm-hmm. But then, sure enough, something's going to happen. Like, yeah, I thought integration would be fine. I broke 16 things, and I was here till 9 last night. And that one really was an eight that was no. however, however many hours. So that's why when some people say just size on effort, I personally really think include your uncertainty, your doubt. Certainly when we're heading into things we haven't done before, there's a sixth sense of like, ah, I'm worried about this. And I really... I want team members to say, I give you credit. You're the expert. You probably know. If you think it's kind of scary, then then give you Is that also a part of culture where the product owner and scrum master encourages the team to go for a more conservative approach than being very positive and just throwing out numbers? There? Some do. Have you seen that? You think that there's yeah. some? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, how do you feel about that? I feel that like for teams where they go for conservative approach, obviously their velocity is more because they give more story points and things look good that they're doing a lot of work (laughs) and then there are teams where the velocity is low but obviously they're taking up more challenges and yeah. yeah. So do you think management ever says, well, that team's awesome. They're getting 60 yeah, points. You guys are only doing like 10. No, I don't think they <laughs> okay, do good. that. I've, yeah. seen, I've had that. Just so you know, I got pulled into an office. Not here. At yeah, but I just yeah. wonder, like, why can't I say 13 and then hit the max velocity? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But actually, yeah. Volatility. Like, different teams, like, different styles. There's going to be volatility in the actual estimates and mm-hmm. where you can actually hit. Because there's some teams that actually try to stretch mm-hmm. and try to do a lot of work. Yes. Yeah. And it's hard to actually make those estimates come true yeah. because one sprint, everything might go like as expected. You'll get 100% or even more of your actual velocity. 
but then there's sprints where everything's very difficult and you have dependencies on other teams that are outside of your scope Mm-hmm. And like it brings down your velocity a significant amount. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, so you're saying some teams lean in and they kind of are aggressive and they push yeah. in, mm-hmm. and some teams you've mentioned because they're kind of conservative. Are kind of conservative. Yeah, they're playing yeah. Now, uh, And uh, they play safe. Yeah. And do you think either one's uh, wrong or better or different? Uh, it just is. I it just, just think is. it's about making yeah. the people in the team feel comfortable. Like yeah. if everybody is alpha and everybody's aggressive, then go for it. But. <laughs> But do you need, and since we do the compare, you need to compare against something. So you have some kind of baseline. Mm-hmm. So let's like say, okay, this story A is one, and this story B is going to be three. Mm-hmm. But a lot of time I find myself, I'm not a baby because I just jump into some team in the middle. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know what to compare against. So I said, well, we'll go along with people in a team. Take time. Of thing. So, slowly, yeah. slowly. Everybody and one thing I didn't like scrim. about the Scrum Masters pulling up the burn down chart from other teams and showing it to this team yeah. like oh, that, kind of that. telling us that duh you yeah. couldn't do it <laughs> maybe the teams with more uh, volatility require additional resources and the teams that have like that actually meet their estimates might have like too many resources so that could be a definite uh, indication True. something to look for yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. do we hit our time box that's well, all your well we did I, I kind of wanted to get a sense um of how we're doing. It's I wanted to throw throw one more thing out there. I think, David, I think mm-hmm. a bunch of you were saying the same, something that reminded me of, you know, teams I've heard take a while to get to a consistency. What What is it there? What is a three-pointer? What is a five-pointer? It might take a little bit of time. Um, like Scott was saying, it's not just effort, it's complexity, it's doubt. You know, you take mm-hmm. all these factors together. Um, I've heard nine months it could take a good mm-hmm. team, you know, nine months to be pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. But then what happens when one person leaves the team oh. or a new person comes onto the team? Guess what? You kind of start all over again. Why'd you have to bring that up? Yeah, because the new person, <laughs> now they've got a different idea of what a what an eight-pointer is. Mm-hmm. And to go back on, on something else we talked about, too, I, I, I don't work here at EMC. I work in another organization. But we just did release planning. And I had all the teams in one room, Mm -hmm. and some of the uh, executives are walking around, or the product owners, I can't remember who it was. They were looking at the team here on the far left side of the room whose um, stories are all one, two, and three points. Mm -hmm. And this team on the right side of the room, their stories were all like five, eight, and 13 points. But what was great was the conversation I had with the, the product owner, they realized that that's okay that every team can have their own scale, their own size of points, and it doesn't matter. Just because one team's velocity happens to be 45 and the other's is 15, doesn't matter. They're still getting the same amount of work done. It's just what they call a three-pointer versus what they call an eight-pointer or something like that. That's nice. That's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's happening here, too. In our there are teams that you see huge amount of points and you know it's just they just estimate differently mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but he has a good point about the changing the teams i think sometimes we forget when we talk about managers understanding scrum and supporting it if i really as a manager knew how how important that team component was i wouldn't be and i think this happens at times like hey i need that guy we're just doing this one thing it's very special he's got the skills I, i'm just gonna grab him for a sprint mm-hmm. but you just threw off the next time all those estimates they made right. a couple weeks ago are now not really you know mm-hmm. the velocity's done the team's frustrated the expectations weren't and i didn't even know it as the manager i didn't even know i caused all those problems mm-hmm. like yeah what's the problem with that team what happened to them anyways i got my people over here <laughs> anyways that's just a small thing but you, you pointed out yeah. i thought it was good yeah, yeah. all right
All right. Well, let's move on. What do we have next there? And and I'll, I'm just going to check in with you. Are you okay on time? Are we sure. doing another few more cards? That's fine. Okay. You Maybe uh, it's okay. Taylor, I got to go in like next five minutes. Taylor, let's let's choose of these one. of these three cards. Do we you choose one, Vivi. Vivi, you choose one. On this no. one next. Sinulong, Sinulong. I think we already talked about this short release cycles. Okay. Okay. I think we already talked about. We have this, this one. Yeah. Which so maybe we'll do that one last. <laughs> okay. What is it? That Gabby? Uh, is it yours? Gabby. Yeah. yeah. When do you use waterfall and when do you use? Yeah, I, I will be happy to hear everybody. Yeah. I, I worked before in uh, many years in Waterfall, and I worked with agile teams, but I didn't manage them. And I saw so many issues with the, they were <coughs> delivering into the big thing, synchronizing with the requirements of the big thing. Um, how they, you ask them little things, they said, okay, end of the sprint, wait, wait, wait three weeks, <laughs> I need just one line. Oh no, they have a sprint, and um, I was not very impressed from Agile at that point. Till I came, uh, even when I came here, I was not sure. But now that I'm involved, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. So the question is: Is it really? Are they really projects that are not fit into Agile and better in, in work? I, I know that there, for example, hardware issue, hardware things are very difficult to put into Agile when you have to order stuff and but maybe I'm wrong so just opinion of the team mm -hmm. what they think well uh, I'd be happy to, to weigh in based on some of the companies I've seen and we've done some hardware software projects some, some greenfield projects um, projects where things change every day right so um, I look at the difference of, of different Agile approaches first of all because we can be agile, and that's more like an umbrella term that covers Scrum or Kanban mm -hmm. or safe. We're sitting safe on top of Scrum or less, right? We're looking at um, the less class coming up, uh, XP right, in the early days. So, uh, so one, there might be different things that fit better, but I certainly think my my uh, scope I look at is how much do we know about this that we've done before? And David mentioned this. If we've, we've done this before, and one person recently said, look, our software is more like a factory. We knock out... You know, item number 17 that's just like the previous ones we did, just some tweaks. It's off of a core engine. It doesn't change that much. Well, that's different. So I look at it and say, if we can predict fairly well, and there's not a lot of surprises, this isn't brand new technology, then we don't need to stop and start as part of a discovery process saying, does the way we work even make sense? Do we want to change it? Hey, customer, is this what you're thinking you're going to get? Because sometimes we think we know, but how many times the customer said, well, that's exactly what I asked for. It's just not what I want. Right, so we're trying to avoid that. But if we're, like, building something, certainly I joke with my friend who's a carpenter. I say, are they still using wood and nails <laughs> over the houses? And, yeah, he's live like, of course. But they've been using those same materials for 50 years. Our software changes, like, every year. And that's part of why we're in the space because we love to learn. So the how that we do things changes. Um, and what we're doing, do we know that or not? So, again, if you're modifying code at a 10-year-old base, uh, code base, you probably know what you're doing. So no. I think that is fairly predictable. And we could chunk out the steps of our process with some confidence because we're not going to be surprised a lot. We know who we're delivering this for. It's the 10th time we've done this. And I'm okay with that. But I think when we head into brand new things, a brand new website, brand new technology, brand yeah. new customer, we probably do get to stop and start and checkpoint and see, are we on track or not? You pay for it. You do pay for it. But let's make sure and not drift way off. That's, that's my two cents on that. 
Yeah, there, there's a Stacy matrix I was going to pull up here, um, which says, you know, on the on the y-axis it talks about requirements, and on the x-axis it's uh, technology. That's the same thing that you're talking about. When you're when you're close to agreement on both of those, and it's a very simple product, it's very predictable. Waterfall is great. You know, you, you don't have to give too much directions. Everyone understands what's needed. Um, just go ahead and do it and plan it out. You know, that that's fine. But once you start getting further uh, out from from your agreement and it's harder to know what the technology is or, or what the requirements are, that's when it gets more complicated and complex and that's where Agile really fits in. And once you're like way far out and you're kind of uh, in this chaotic mode where everything's up in the air, that's when Scrum might not work well but but maybe um, Kanban, like a pure pull system. Well, might, I, might I'm not familiar with Kanban. Yeah, that's, that's where you're kind of just reacting to, to something quickly and, and then just moving on from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Operations when you don't know what tomorrow's going to be like because who knows what's going to happen and production issues like that's what they'll they just pull up the top of the stack. Yeah, a lot of times IT groups might work something like that if they're always interrupt driven. They can't really predict what the work is going to be like for the next day or two, let alone the next sprint. Yeah, but some of the DevOps, like for instance, if you read the uh, pro- uh, the um, um, one of the projects that I read for IT, they apply agile in IT because like every time they build something. They just push on the um, the release out into depth and QA, and they have exactly the same. The response time coming back really quick, and they go the bill again. Mm-hmm. And so it is. It I think it, in some circumstances the agile also work in IT as well. So. Yeah. All right. Well, well more busy than I need to that leave. That brings us to the end. So I just want to once again thank you all for joining us today okay. uh, here at EMC in the Data Protection Division. We've got uh, Twee. Uh, David, uh, Preeti, and Gabby, and uh, and Scott here. So thanks everyone for for being here today with us. Thank you for coming and hosting. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thank you. And you can join the conversation with us on Twitter by using the hashtag #TellAgileCoffee and let us know. Fill in on any of the topics that you've heard today, and uh, you know, let us know what things are working for you. Um, check the show notes here at episode 45. That's agilecoffee.com slash episode 45, and you can get links to any of the books or methods that we've described here today. I want to remind you all to enjoy your coffee with friends. Thank you. Agile Coffee.